Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read from John chapter 4. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, Ask for a drink for me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, but we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? or Why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, 
Lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. After the two days he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed, and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Our text today focuses on two different events, Jesus having a conversation with the woman at the well uh, from Samaria, and then also healing the son of an official. So as we take a look at these, uh, most of the chapter is the Samaritan woman at the well. What starts it is that the Pharisees have heard that he's baptizing, and we do get the footnote here that Jesus himself was not doing any of the baptisms the disciples were. So Jesus having them do that work, a work that they're going to continue to do even after he has ascended into heaven. And he leaves. So the Pharisees having found found him, not happy with him, Jesus departs for Galilee, so he heads off to the north. In order to get there, unless you go a ridiculously long way around, you're going to pass through the land of Samaria, the region of Samaria. Now, Originally, you think of the promised land, you think of the land of Israel, divided kingdom around 932 BC into the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. Judah makes as her, her capital Jerusalem, whereas Israel's capital becomes the city of Samaria. So the Samaritans are those who come from Samaria, the capital. However, as the whole events happen with the exile with the Syrian army and the Babylonian army destroying both Israel and Judah, and then eventually Persia restoring things, allowing the Jewish people to go home, and so forth. Over time, you don't have any nations here anymore. Now we're dealing with regions, 
So Jerusalem is in the region of Judea. What used to be the northern kingdom of Israel, much of that is now going to be considered Samaria, the southern part of it, and then even Galilee uh, would have been a part of that as well. So Jesus passes through Samaria, heading off for Galilee, and as he does, he's going to go through a town called Sychar. Sychar is probably 30 miles north of Jerusalem, 15 miles west of the Jordan River, roughly if that helps you place it on a map. And he's going where Jacob's well was. An intriguing reference. The Old Testament never specifies Jacob having a well. In the book of Genesis, in chapter 33, verses 18 and 19, we see Jacob buy a chunk of land from the Shechemites, from Hamor and Shechem, the father and son there. It is believed then that in Genesis 48, when Jacob is near death and he gives a piece of land to Joseph, his son, Genesis 48, verse 22, that it might well be that piece of land that's being discussed, and that that is then the point of conversation here as well. So Sychar basically is just east of Shechem to the to the west. That's the kind of picture we might be able to put together of this. We also learn that it is the sixth hour, which means it is roughly noon, the hottest part of the day, the start of the hottest part of the day, those afternoon hours where the sun is at its peak. And at this time, a woman comes from Samaria to draw water from the well. This is abnormal. Not for a woman to draw water from a well. That's normal work for a woman to do in their culture. But the time of day, to do it in the heat of day, is not common. Typically, it was done twice in the day. You would go out in the morning while it's still cool. You would go out again uh, later in the evening once the sun had begun to set and the temperatures were falling, uh, so it wasn't quite as brutal of work to do. So you'd have water in the morning to provide for your family for the day. You'd have water in the evening to provide for your family at night. Repeat. She's out there at a time where the other women aren't, which does get us pondering this woman's character. What do we know about her? That's going to bring us down, we have to skip ahead here a little bit, bring us down to verse 16 where they start having a conversation about her husband's husband. Jesus said, call your husband, come here. She says, I have no husband. You have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. So what's our picture here? Combined with the fact she's out of the well alone, most likely we should take this to be an adulterous woman living in ways that she ought not to be living in. Now, granted, we are all sinners living in ways that we ought not to be when the Lord calls us. So this is not to be overly harsh or cruel. I don't think we should read this as she is a widow five times and now she is living as a widow and that there is a man taking care of her, whoever that man is. Grammatically speaking, I think you could read the text that way. But again, combined with verse 5, most likely, or verse 7, sorry, that she's out there at the, the time when women don't go to the well. Probably because the community despises her, looks at her as an outcast. 
So, Jesus speaks with her, which surprises her. Right? He's tired. He's both God and man. His body does, in this flesh, in this world, his body does weaken. He needs water. And he asks her a drink. Now, she's surprised because of two things. First, she's a woman, and in the culture, men typically don't speak to women. There's a there's a barrier there. And a lot of Middle Eastern cultures today, that's actually still true, uh, especially in Islamic cultures. But it's just not considered to be appropriate for you to speak to a woman in public if she is not your wife. And the second is, she's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. I mentioned the divided kingdom back in 932 B.C. If you look at the history of Israel and Judah, oh, Judah, through the the books of Kings, they are almost always at war with each other. There's a hatred, a spite for one another that grows. You can imagine when Israel falls, how Judah might have felt pride at that, thinking that they were better than her. Um, They get rebuked quite a bit for actually being worse than her um, by some of the prophets, like Ezekiel. Uh, But that dispute never seems to go away. So here you get to the New Testament era, hundreds of years later, and these two people groups still despise each other. Comes up when you think of the Good Samaritan, the parable that Jesus tells. The the man he speaks the parable to can't even bring himself to say Samaritan, such as the, the hatred that they harbor. But Jesus begins to share the gospel with her, and this is a great family conversation point to make. Are there people you would rather not share the gospel with? Because you don't want anything to do with them, you don't want to speak with them, you don't, maybe you don't even want to see them be forgiven. That was Jonah's problem. If you go back to the book of Jonah in the Old Testament, especially chapter 4 is where that gets revealed that, that was the issue at hand. Could be a worthwhile conversation. We are not to have enemies. We are not to seek vengeance. We are to love all people because God has created them and Jesus has died to redeem them. And we are to share that message, that good news. They may still reject it, but we love them anyway. We share it with them. A great conversation between the two uh, as Jesus talks about the idea of living water. That's going to be pointing us to, to baptism to a living water that grants faith. God has created faith in our hearts through water and the word and the Holy Spirit being poured out upon us. She asks if Jesus is somehow greater than Jacob. The answer to that would be yes. That he gave them this well. How could Jesus give them something better than what came from Jacob? That's because he's God and he'll reveal that to her here by the end of the text by the end of their conversation together. So he talks about this water that will never bring thirst again. And she confuses it for worldly thirst. Look, if I'm never thirsty again, I don't have to keep coming to the well every day, especially not in the gruesome heat of the day. That's not what Jesus is getting at. He's getting at the idea of eternal life, everlasting life, salvation, paradise, that there will be no hunger or thirst there. Because we will be with Christ and he will provide for us all that we need always. So after their conversation about husbands, 
Uh, Jesus is going to then have a conversation with her about worship. She figures him, having been able to say what he did, that he must be a prophet. And then she talks about worship, that her fathers, so the Israelites, used to worship on this mountain. So where they are, it's a mountainous region, and they used to worship God there. But you say in Jerusalem is the place we ought to worship. You, in that sentence, is the reference to the Jews, that you have to go to Jerusalem to the temple. Israel didn't have the temple once the kingdom divided. So they worshipped at various high places, and typically it was pagan worship that was going on. She doesn't seem to have that backstory too well. Jesus corrects her, though, telling her that the time is coming. Neither in that mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. The hour is coming. It's now here where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Salvation is from the Jews. So the idea pointing here to Jesus himself, again, that he is the Savior, his name means he saves, and that he will rescue her and all people from their sins, that she will worship him not on that mountain or Jerusalem. Jerusalem's going to be torn down, but that the church is going to be scattered abroad. God's people will worship him all around the world, but ultimately, again, paradise here in view, uh, that we will worship him forevermore before his very throne. She says, I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus responds, I who speak to you am he. Very bold, very strong statement there. Uh, And she immediately leaves her water jar behind, right? That's why she had been at the well in the first place. She goes back to town. She tells the people she thinks she's found the Christ. And they come out to meet him. Having met him, um, they are going to invite Jesus to stay with them for a couple of days, which he will. I'm skipping ahead a little bit, yes, but um, we'll come back to the disciples' conversation here in just a moment. And many more end up believing in Jesus, not because just the woman said so, but because of his word, because they heard him preach and teach. This is Romans 10, as Paul talks about faith coming by hearing they recognize that this is the Savior of the world. So he'll leave from there, he'll head for Galilee, which was where he was going when the chapter started, and he will pass by his hometown. Verse 44 just kind of skims over that event, with no one respecting a prophet in his own town. And he comes to Galilee in in verse 45. And they, having been in Jerusalem for the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, also they saw his miracles, so they were rejoiced. They welcomed him there. Now there is a conversation between Jesus and the disciples. Uh, They try to give him food. He says that his food really truly is to do the will of God who sent him. That is what nourishes, is to be faithful to God and to fulfill his will. And so he then talks about a harvest, that they would recognize the harvest is still months away, but he tells them that the true harvest is right before their eyes. Look, lift up your eyes. The fields, that is the earth, is white, that is ready for the harvest. Salvation. Look at all these people who want to be saved. Look at all these people who want to hear the word of God and to hear of his plan of salvation. So this could be a family conversation as well. How can I help with the harvest? How can you 
help with the harvest? How can we share God's word with others? It's one of our main purposes for being here still. Uh, the one who reaps is receiving wages, that is, new believers gathering fruit for life. The sower and the reaper rejoice together. God and disciples might be a good way to look at that. The spirit involved in that as well. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored. You have entered into that. So the prophets, John the Baptist, the rabbis, the synagogue leaders, those who have paved the way with the word of God, and now the disciples get to build on that. Paul will be a terrific example, because that's literally how he does his work. He goes on his missionary journeys. He heads for the synagogue. He shows them how the Old Testament scriptures, the law and the prophets, point to Jesus. All right, we are at our time. I didn't get to the official sun, so just briefly, uh, Jesus appears to be in Cana, so a little bit west of the Sea of Galilee, and a man from Capernaum comes to him, an official, uh, not told much more about him in this text, and his son is dying. He seeks the, the healing of his son. Jesus said, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And then he tells him, go, your son will live, and the official believes. Right? Verse 50, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke, and he went. And after going, his son is indeed healed, and then he believes all the more. The father knew that was the hour Jesus said to him, your son will live. He believed and all his household. So, yeah, sometimes wonders and signs do bring faith. Not always. In fact, as we'll see throughout the Gospels, oftentimes they don't. But in this case, certainly helped. Uh, he believed the word, and then that miracle that followed strengthened that faith for him and his family. So it takes him a little time to travel because it's, it's miles away, several miles away, probably in the tw 15 to 20 mile range. So it's several hours of walking at, at the least. But now two signs. So we should believe the first to be the turning of water into wine at Cana, and now this one, the healing of the official's son. Is there